Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, it's great to see you guys. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church, whether you're joining us online here in person, or maybe it's your first time here. I really appreciate you taking time out of your weekend, of your Sunday to be with us. So do you know what happens two Saturdays from now? College football, right? There's a home game here. I think UVA travels to Tennessee. West Virginia is heading up to Penn State. But you know what's more important than that, what's happening two Sundays from now? Yeah, Celebration Sunday at Blue Ridge Church. We're celebrating baptism, communion, child dedication here at the church, one service only on Labor Day weekend, September the 3rd at 11 o'clock. And those of you that are being baptized, we're going to offer a group to meet you at the river at Bissett Park at 9 o'clock if you prefer to be baptized in the river, or you can be baptized here at the church at 11. We'll do the river baptisms, and then we'll come join everybody for Celebration Sunday. But make sure you mark your calendars, one service on September the 3rd. So we kicked off this series last week called Let It Go. And what we're talking about is things in our life that we simply have to let go of, that we have to get rid of, that we have to set aside, that we have to cast aside, or it's going to hurt us in life, right? These things are going to hinder our journey, uh, us accomplishing our goals, our dreams, our ambitions, but it's also going to hurt us on our spiritual journey if we're not willing to deal with these things. Uh, and each week that we uh, have a talk on Sundays, we have a notes page that we put together that you can access through the Church Center app. But if you don't have that on your phone, uh, I'd encourage you to download it. But you can scan one of the two QR codes on the side screens, or you can simply go to blueridgechurch.net and you can access those notes. Again, they're there for your use. You don't have to access them, but I want you to know how to get them. So last week, we talked about getting rid of our feelings of inadequacy. You know, unfortunately, in life, we don't have a very good picture of who we are, right? We either think way too much of ourselves or we think way too little of ourselves, but it's an inaccurate view. And because of that inaccurate view, we develop these inadequacies or the sense of inadequacy all throughout our lives. And the main way we get those is through comparison. When we compare ourselves to other people, you know, how they're doing in school or financially or what they do for a living, often we get these feelings that we're inadequate. We also get those because of the things people have spoken into our lives, right? You can't do this. You're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. I wish you were more like your brother or your sister. And that develops these feelings of inadequacy. And then the praise we get in life. A lot of times we get praise that we never earned. And we can't live up to that praise or live up to those expectations, so we feel inadequate. So we learned last week that God wants us to see ourselves the way that He sees us. And He says, with the relationship with His Son Christ, we are completely, 100% all the time, adequate. And so we have to get rid of those feelings. We have to let go of those feelings of inadequacy. So today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about uh, getting rid of one of our rights, letting go of one of our rights. And I know you're already getting defensive. 
You're thinking, well, the government's trying to take away my rights. My school's trying to take away my rights. You know, uh, all this stuff's going on in the world. I think this right, once we get into it, it's going to be one of those rights that you want to let go of. And that is our right to be offended. Now, I know nobody in here or watching at home has ever been offended, but just in case there is that one person that's here, we're still going to talk about that. But we are offended all the time in life, aren't we? Especially the culture that we live in. And I think back to when I was young, and it's hard to think back that far, but what, you know, when I was first getting started in work and I was first married, the least little thing would offend me and set me off. And maybe some of you that have a little bit of age under your belt now, you can look back on your life and you can say the same thing. You know, when we were younger, it's just it's like everything offended us. The problem is if we don't deal with those things that offend us and how we react when we're offended, the problem is we grow old and we become offended by more and more things each and every day. Just look at our society, right? So I was trying to think this week, what are some common ways that we're offended? All of us, that we could all relate to, and I thought, driving, right? We've all been offended when we're driving. Somebody makes a boneheaded lane change, you know, they don't signal. Or, or, or one that just really gets me is, you know, the light is green, they're going through the intersection, and they see that it turns yellow, and they slam on their brakes, right? And you know they could have made it through. You could have made it through, and probably three cars behind you could have made it through that light. If our officers listening, not that we would run a yellow light, but I'm just saying, right? Or how, how about this, when somebody makes a turn and there's no stop sign, no yield sign, they just have to make a turn and they almost come to a complete stop as they're making that turn. It's like, would you make the turn already? That, that offends me, used to offend me, I'm going to say, all right? But Lisa and I were talking yesterday, we were leaving a party and coming home and I'd let this truck in and uh, and I thought about it, you know, when you're in a parking lot, say you're at a concert or, or at a football game and you're trying to get out of the parking lot. That's the worst part of a, a sporting event, right, is getting out of the parking lot. If you've ever been to a NASCAR race, you understand this. But there's all these feeder lines that feed into this main line, and the main line leads to the main road. And once you get in that main line, you think, man, I'm home free. And once you get into that main line, you're like, I'm not letting anybody else in right? And because your wife loves Jesus and she's compassionate and she says, you're going to let this person in. So against your will, you know, you let them in and they don't acknowledge you at all, right? No little wave in the mirror, no tap into the brake lights. Hey, thanks, pal. You saved me a half hour. Nothing. That offends me. Or what's worse is when your new group's pastor that you hired from Texas pulls into the parking lot this morning and runs into his pastor's car, that could tend to offend us, right? Yeah, true story. You can talk to him after this. I think he's still sitting in the corner somewhere where I placed him. But something else, something else that offends me is when I'm at a restaurant and I'm eating and there's somebody sitting beside me and they don't leave a very good tip or the waitress or the waiter. And I'm thinking, come on, man, this is their livelihood, right? Well, I, I know we tip based on service and based on how good the food is, but what a great opportunity to show love to somebody else who's out there trying to make a living. And listen, church people are the worst. 
They had the worst reputation for tipping. Anybody, and I've been a waiter, anybody that's a waiter or a waitress, they will tell you they don't want to work on Sunday afternoons because of church people. Church people would rather, you know, leave a gospel track in a dollar instead of a 20% tip, and, and that's not going to pay the bills. Yeah, they need to know how to get to heaven, but they got to pay their bills too. That offends me. And then I think about the church world, how easily we're offended in the church world. And, and since starting the church, you know, I, I've heard a lot of things. You know, Pastor, you offended me by your cat joke or your UVA joke, right? Or, or I'm offended because you don't use the right translation of the Scripture. In other words, the, the translation that they use. Or I'm offended because you don't have a come forward invitation and you have a connection card instead. Or I'm offended because you don't sing the, the same type of music that, that I sing. Why is it that we get so offended in life and we let the smallest little things drive us completely crazy? And I think a big reason is, is because we live our lives a lot of times out of our own egos, right? And we live our life out of our own pride. And really, the reason we live that way is because we're trying to cover up our own insecurities in life. And so if I can be right, and if I can win, that means you're wrong and you lost, and it, and it kind of strokes my ego. You can't look at the news today and see that a group of people or an individual hasn't been offended by something. Some people, they form their entire friendships in life around the common theme, we're all offended by the same thing. So it's prevalent in our culture. And if we don't learn to let that go, our right to be offended, it's just going to stifle us in life. But I think the main reason that we feel offended is because we make everything about us. Anything and everything's about us. And if things don't go the way we think they should go, or if things don't go the way you know, we want them to go, then we become offended. Well, what does the Lord say about this? Look at Proverbs 19, 11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Now, we live in a world that's quick to judge, quick to call a foul, quick to call out a wrong, but incredibly slow to overlook an offense. And to overlook an offense doesn't mean that you have to pretend it didn't happen. That's not what I'm saying. Trust and reconciliation, that's a whole different ballgame. But to overlook an offense is exactly like forgiveness. We have to forgive it. We have to let it go. We have to overlook it. So we're going to have plenty of opportunities in our life and probably plenty of opportunities today that we can let things drag us down. We can let them tear us apart. We can let them destroy our entire day thinking about them, or the Scripture says that we can overlook them. And that verse says it's to our advantage. It's to our glory to overlook an offense. In other words, to let it go. And that sounds great. Looks great on uh, paper. That sounds great. But our natural tendency is not to do this. It's not to heed these words of Scripture. Again, because we live our lives out of that pride that we have and out of that ego that we have. And so what I'm going to propose is a better way to live our life. Instead of living it out of our pride and ego, when we feel our pride kick in or our ego kick in and I got to be right and I got to win this, we should live our lives out of the grace 
that Christ gives us. Instead of living out of our ego, we live out of the grace of Christ. And listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, this was written by Paul, who, if you know anything about Paul, before he became a Christian, he was a persecutor of Christians. He hated Christians, and he would hunt them down, and he would jail them, and, and, and he's, he witnessed the killing of Christians. But then Jesus changed his life and saved him. So Paul received an incredible amount of grace from Christ. If you have a relationship with Christ, and, I, and believe me, I know that's not everybody. I know a lot of us are at different spots on that faith journey. Some of you still have a, a lot of questions. But if you have a relationship with Christ, you've already received an immense amount of grace from the Lord, right? Just the simple fact that he called you to himself to invite Christ into your life, that's an incredible amount of grace that we should now live out of. Maybe God's shown you grace in your family, or he showed you grace with your children, or he showed you grace with your, you know, your financial situation or your work situation, or he's shown you grace in school or, or, or with your roommates. So what Paul's saying here, hey, because of the grace given to me, I pass on to you, don't think of yourself as all that. Don't think of yourself higher than you should. In other words, reduce that pride. Reduce that ego. Don't let everything be about you in life. And when we can do that, when we can humble ourselves and not live out of our pride, but instead live out of the grace of Christ, you know what that does? It makes it harder and more difficult for us to become offended. It protects us from being offended in life. So how do we do that? How do we live this out? How do we truly live our life each and every day through the grace of Christ instead of through ourselves? And our first learning is this, learning number one. Because of the grace God gives us, we should be merciful to people. Because Christ gives me grace, I should give other people grace. I should give other people mercy. I should give people the benefit of the doubt. All through my day, I should cut people some slack. That is a way of showing them mercy. But I'm going to give mercy to people because Christ has given me mercy. Again, mercy being an antidote to becoming offended all the time. Because if we're too busy giving out mercy to people and overlooking things, it's going to be very difficult for us to become offended. Ephesians 4, 2 says, always be humble and gentle. That goes back to the don't think of yourself as more highly than you should. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Now, in our society... You know, truth be told, we rarely give people mercy. We just assume the worst in people. We don't give people the benefit of the doubt. So the next time somebody, let's say they're short with you, instead of be off uh, being offended, think to yourself, well, maybe they're having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, right? Maybe they've got a teenager 
whose life is just spiraling out of control. Maybe they just lost a loved one. Maybe they just got an eviction notice. Or they got a call from their boss and their boss said, hey, I don't need you anymore. Maybe what they did on the road that offended you while you were driving had nothing to do with you. Right? Maybe that lane change they made, maybe, maybe they were in a hurry. They had to be somewhere at a certain amount of time. But because of the grace that Christ extends to each and every one of us, we're going to show mercy to others. Guarantee you, it's going to keep us and help us to build this shield against becoming offended. And ultimately, really living our life through the grace of Christ means over time, as we grow in our relationship with Christ, this should get softer. You know, it tends, the older we get, the harder our heart gets if Christ isn't in there, right? This heart that the world wants to break, stomp on, tear out, we should be keeping a check on that, that it should be getting softer and softer as we grow in our relationship with Christ. And the only way to do that is to live out of His grace. He will keep our hearts soft if we will live out of the grace that He gives us. And something else that'll help is if if we will realize every single day of our lives, we are surrounded by a minefield of people that are hurt. There's people sitting around you right now at home or here in the auditorium that are deeply hurt. And what I've learned over the years, and you've probably learned over the years, is hurt people hurt people, right? When people are hurting, when they're damaged, they tend to hurt other people. And it's usually unintentional. So instead of saying, you know, why did that person do that? Or why did they act that way? Why did they say this or, or that? Instead, we should say, I wonder what I could pray for that person, right? Hey, God, how can I pray for this person that if I didn't control this, it would offend me? wonder what could be going on in their life. So we're going to live out of God's grace, the grace that Christ gives us. We're going to show people mercy. Here's number two. Because of the grace God gives us, we should not label people. We shouldn't label people. Can you imagine if God labeled us? If he took one moment out of your life, your sinful life, my sinful life, and he labeled us based on that one moment in time. Well, there's Harry the homewrecker, right? Or there's angry Alan or, or Gloria the, the gossip or whatever. Thank goodness God doesn't do that. He gives us grace. He gives us forgiveness. Yet we'll turn around and in one moment of someone's life, when they're having that day or when they made that poor decision, we'll label them. Well, he's a jerk. She's a loud mouth. He's this or she's that. We tend to label people permanently over a temporary moment in time. Here's what Jesus said. Luke 6, 36 through 37. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Has God been merciful on us? Yeah. And because of Christ's grace to me, not only am I going to be merciful, I'm not going to label others. And we've all done it. We've labeled somebody because of who they hung around with or how they dressed or what they like to do for fun. 
we've labeled them because of something we've heard about, about them or who they dated or who they were married to. We just made an assumption. But have you ever found out when you label somebody, and if you kind of stick close to that person's life, that you end up being wrong about that label that you slapped on them often? You know, you get to know them, you get to spend time with them, you hang out with them, you work with them more, and you realize that label I slapped on that person wasn't even true. I think back to the early years of the church, and people labeled us. You know, because we dress casually, because we want our kids to have a super fun time at church so they can learn about Christ, because we don't sing, you know, maybe the same songs that they sing, or we don't single out our visitors and stand up and clap for them or, or, or make them shake hands with a total stranger. People labeled us, you know. I've had people come up to me and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to be honest with you. And it's so cool when they're honest, you know, and they're like, you know, when this, first, this church first came to town, I thought you were a cult, right? And I was waiting, you know, till you served the Kool-Aid one Sunday. I thought you didn't love Jesus. I thought you didn't preach from the Scripture. But then my kids started coming, or my grandkids came, and I decided to come, and I realized you're just different than what I was used to. You love Jesus the way that I do. Often, we slap on those labels, and they're not even accurate. So a better plan is just don't label people at all because we have no clue what's going on in somebody's life. But the worst people that we label is our own family. We label our husband or we label our spouse or we label our kids and that sticks with them or we label our own siblings. So because we're going to get rid of our right to be offended And to do that, we're going to live out of the grace that Christ gives us. We're going to show people mercy. We're not going to label people. And here's learning number three. Because of the grace God gives us, we should forgive people. We should forgive people. I'm going to forgive because I've been forgiven. I'm going to forgive others the way Christ has forgiven me. And that's what the Scripture directs us to do. Look at Colossians 3.13. Make allowances for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So we make allowances for other people's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Now, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's a pretty big pill to swallow, isn't it? I mean, that's a pretty strong statement that the Lord makes right here. Forgive anyone who offends me, Lord? Seriously? Anyone? I mean, I can forgive the person who didn't acknowledge that I let them into traffic. I can do that. Check. I can offend the person at school or the person at work that took credit for my project and got ahead because of it. I, I think I can offend, I, I can forgive that and the fact they offended me. I can even forgive my husband for washing the colored towels with the white clothes. I don't want to, but I can do that. But God, what about, what about a major offense? What about something that cost me something? Am I supposed to just overlook that? Am I supposed to just let that go? What if, what if this person's abused me? What if my husband's been looking at pornography and cheating on me? What if my wife has been lying to me and keeping things from me? I, I don't have to forgive that, right, God? 
See, we think those really big things, those things that really offend us, those things that cost us something, we don't have to forgive those things. Those areas where we were mishandled, where we were deeply hurt, we think we have every right to hold on to those offenses. Well, God, God gets my anger because this is just totally wrong. God understands that I need revenge and why I'm bitter. That's how we think. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. And this verse I'm going to share with you, I share this anytime I get to talk about forgiveness because it was so eye-opening to me so many years ago. But Matthew 6, verses 14 through 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, that's one of those verses in the Scripture that literally scare us the most because how can you forgive abuse? How can you forgive someone who took the life of someone close to you? How do you forgive somebody who cheats on you and destroys your marriage? How do you forgive somebody who betrays you? Or or worse yet, how do you forgive somebody who was put in a position of authority and then they abuse that authority and they hurt innocent people? How in the world does God expect us to forgive something that seems totally unforgivable? Now, the reason that verse scares us so much is because we think our eternal destiny or our eternal life is determined based on our forgiveness. And I just want to assure you that's not what that verse is saying, all right? That verse is not saying your eternal security is based on that. We know our eternal security, those of us that have Christ, we know that our forgiveness of our sins is simply based on what Jesus did on the cross, right? The the work he did on the cross pays for our sin once and for all. And that is how we get eternal life in a relationship with him. But what that verse is telling us, and when you understand it in the context of all the Scripture, it's telling us your relationship with Christ will be severely hampered, severely dampened if you are not willing to forgive people the way that Christ has forgiven you. Ephesians 1.7 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. So that's the assurance for you that our salvation isn't based on that, but our relationship with Christ is. We have to get to the position that we are willing to forgive others the way that we ourselves have been forgiven. It's not going to be easy. I'm not promising that. How do we do it? How do we forgive those things that just seem unforgivable? And Ephesians 4.32 says this, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That's how we do it. We forgive because we've been forgiven. And that's what's allowed people to forgive things in their lives that seem totally, unexplainably unforgivable. Can it take time? Certainly. Can it take months? Yes. Can it take years to forgive someone? Yes. And what I tell people, you know, Scott, I can't forgive this person. You tell us that Jesus wants us to forgive. I know Jesus wants me to forgive. I cannot forgive what's happened in my life. 
That's okay. You need to be in prayer then. Just pray about it. When it comes up and you can't forgive, say, you know what, God? I know what you say. I know you want me to forgive this person. I know you want me to forgive this wrong that's happened in my life. My heart is not there. But you have permission to change my heart. I give you full permission to change my heart that you can get me to the position where someday maybe I will be able to forgive this person. I'm telling you, God can do that. God can change our hearts in an instance or he can change our heart over time. So if we're in that position, I cannot forgive this act that's happened. At least admit that to God and keep offering that to him. Hey, I want to forgive, but I'm not there. You can change my heart. But I think the closer we get to Christ and the closer we grow in our relationship with Christ and the more we understand just how much he has forgiven a wretched sinner like me or like you, it makes it easier for us to begin to forgive. Listen, I've been deeply hurt by people. You've been deeply hurt by people. My spouse has been deeply hurt by people. Your children have been deeply hurt by people. But God says it's to our glory. It's to our benefit, in other words, to overlook an offense, to let those things go, to forgive. And again, I've learned as I've aged, it gets a little bit quicker every time. Because I think I finally understand, for the most part, just how much Christ truly has forgiven me. Because I think when we can understand just how much we've been forgiven, the fact that we have an eternal home in heaven, it makes it easier. And listen, we acknowledged earlier that hurt people tend to hurt people. A lot of times it's unintentional, but hurt people hurt people. But what I've learned is forgiven people forgive people. So not only to hurt people hurt people, but forgiven people forgive people. And the truth is, I don't have any right or justification to be offended. Right? I'm not justified in my anger. I'm not justified in my bitterness and my desire, you know, to want revenge. It's not about Scott covering the spread between his pride and ego and his insecurities. It's about living through the grace that Christ has already given us. And because he's extended us that grace, I'm going to show people mercy. I'm going to try not to label people, and I'm going to try to forgive the way that I've been forgiven. Again, it's not an overnight process. Sometimes it can take months. It can take years but it's what Christ calls us to do. So here's how I'm going to encourage you. Instead of living out of who you are and what you want, and it's all about me, we humble ourselves. We're humble and gentle, as the Scripture said, and instead we live out of God's grace. And when we have His grace, we'll be able to give people mercy. We'll be thrilled when we no longer label people. And we'll be excited about offering forgiveness because that's what Christ calls us to. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would give us the strength to be able to show people mercy and to forgive people and not just make a judgment call on people as soon as we meet them, that we cut them some slack, we think the best in them. Lord, you know every person watching, every person here, and you know what they're carrying and I'd venture to say every single one of us is carrying something that we haven't forgiven. 
Some of those things are small. Some of those things are huge, Lord. But you tell us to forgive. So I'm asking that you'll change our hearts for those areas that we just haven't been able to forgive. That you'll soften our heart and you'll work on us and you'll show us more and more your way so that we can get to the point that we forgive others. And as we're praying, maybe you're watching or you're here today and, and you've never received forgiveness from Christ. You've never invited him into your life. Maybe you were taught some of those wrong statements that you weren't good enough or you had to start doing certain things or stop certain things in your life before Christ would want a relationship with you. I hope you know that's not true. I hope you know that Jesus meets us wherever we're at. And you can receive that forgiveness that he paid for. Your sins he paid for on the cross. You can receive the forgiveness he offers. Just invite him into your life. Just open up your heart. Pray from the silence of your heart and just say, Jesus, man, I want a relationship with you. I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't have forgiveness. I want to be forgiven so that I can have a relationship with you. So that I can start living out of this grace that you give. And I'll be able to forgive others. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for these people, just their willingness to tune in or to come to hear from you today and to worship you. Because, Lord, everything we do is about you. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick, a couple of things going on in the lobby. Our American Heritage Girls troop and our Trail Life troop is set up in the lobby. That is for kids that are uh, five up through 12th grade. They've got different programs for different age groups. So if you have kids or grandkids and want more information on those two groups, amazing programs that go on here at the church through our groups ministry, I encourage you to stop by and see them. Don't forget, September 3rd, only one service. And then today we've got ice cream out in the parking lot. I know, it's 1036. It's never too early to have ice cream, all right? So your kids, if you got kids, they're going to want to stop by the ice cream truck Make yourself at home, grab some ice cream. Uh, thanks for being here and come back and see us next week. God bless you guys.